Hey everyone, welcome to Resilience Unraveled. This podcast is the result of my fascination with subjects like resilience, accountability, burnout, life fulfillment and other life and work-based performance issues, as well as many of the other obsessions I bump into in my life. I spend my time working with highly successful teams, people and organisations, and this podcast introduces their remarkable stories and expertise, as well as my own synthesis of the key issues, strategies, tips, tools and resources to thrive in life. If you find this podcast useful, why not go over to our site qedod.com. Stay tuned to the end to find out details of how to order a free ebook. Enjoy the podcast. So hi there, welcome to Resilience Unraveled. And um, today I'd like you to welcome um, Helen Pollock, who's joining us. And uh, Helen is a boot coach who I happen to know very, very well because she's working with me at the moment on my own book. And I thought it'd be really brilliant, actually, to um, to interview and to talk to her today for those of you who are thinking um, they've got a book inside of you and you've always wanted to write it. And, um, and I'm sure Helen's going to be able to exchange some really interesting tools and techniques to get you started, but also will introduce you to the concept of a boot coach and how that all works and such like. So, um, Helen, hi, hi, hi. How are you? Hi, Russell. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, yeah, bearing up okay in these strange times. <laughs> it's a good test of our resilience, isn't it, to be able to, um, to actually... Um, to think about this and focus on something that's pro- proactive, you know, and sometimes when people are finding it quite anxious as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, people are getting in touch with me. I, I have seen um, an increase in inquiries from people who are, are thinking of finally writing that book because they have now got bonus time because they're not commuting to work or, or traveling extensively so yeah I, I think you, you're right there okay well why don't you start by telling us in a nutshell what is it you do so I help people to write their business or non-fiction book and there are two ways that I do that so the first one is um, as a ghostwriter so I would write the book for them um, and that might be because they don't have enough time or it might be because they're not confident in their writing abilities or they, or they don't enjoy writing that was um, I spoke to someone last night who for whom that was the case and then the other way and this is how um, we met is um, as a book coach so that's where people want to write their own book but they know that they need some help and support Um, so I provide um, structure I help them to structure their book and then that makes it much easier for them It, it breaks things down into manageable chunks rather than I don't know, looking like a Mount Everest in front of them. And um, then I also um, I provide them with the information they need to make the right decisions about their book. And finally, we have regular video calls where I can give them support and accountability. Brilliant. So, so how did you get into this sort of line of work? So I love, 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 love writing and um, communicating in general. And um, I went into marketing and PR and I was 
particularly interested in PR because, you know, you get paid for writing and that just seemed like a dream come true for me. So although I've worked in every area of the marketing mix, um, my specialism really is PR. And so uh, when my daughter was born, and she's eight now, um, I set up my own business And that was slightly randomly um, teaching Mandarin Chinese to primary school children. Uh, And then I did that for about five years alongside a senior part-time PR role. And um, after five years, I had tweaked the business model of my teaching business every which way. And there just wasn't enough meat in the sandwich. So it wasn't profitable enough. So um, I'd learned a lot and I'd never say I regret having started up and run that business. Um, But I started my own PR consultancy um, a couple of years ago now. And very quickly, a client who I'd known in a few different capacities for for um, a couple of years, asked me if I would be willing to ghostwrite his second book for him. So he was already an Amazon bestselling author in his sector, but he now just didn't have the time to write this second book he wanted to write. So I wrote that for him. That became an Amazon bestseller. Um, I wrote, uh, ghostwrote another book in the same sector for somebody else. And then people started approaching me saying, well, I actually want to write my own book, but I know I need some help. Um, Would you be able to help me with that? And I thought, well, yes, I would actually. So that was how the book coaching came about. Mm. And it's interesting. I was at a business network meeting quite recently, sitting next to someone who said, I'm just launching my um, new book, blah, blah, blah. And she was talking about it. And she was there holding a physical copy in her hands. And she was talking to the, it was a business community. And she was talking to the business community about it. And she traveled around the world and written her story. And it was great. And um, and you turned out to be the book coach. So, um, you know, that's evidence to, and I mean, I, I did, we didn't know that we knew this person in common, actually, when we were chatting, did we? We did. That's right. Um, So, So, yeah. So, so you know, there's often this phrase that um, everybody has a book in them. And um, is this true? I think it is not. Um, I think many people do have a book in them. But really, it's about, you know, do you have a compelling story to tell? So, um, you know, you may do, you may not. Um, and if you don't, then you probably don't have a book in you. So, so when you're talking about a story, mm. um, I mean that's interesting, is it? Because that's a different approach from, say, having, I don't know, a if you. So usually there's this idea: you're educating, informing, or entertaining, isn't it? So you can you can write yeah. a, a nonfiction book and any of those things. Um, yeah. But you know, if you're informing or educating, do you need a story? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think any kind of writing where you're trying to influence people in some way, you're telling a story. So, mm. yeah, absolutely. I mean, people bang on about storytelling, don't they? As being, they do. You know, we, from, the, from the time you all used to sit around and open fire together, blah, 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 blah. But not, but not everybody likes a story or can, or can tell a story or wants to listen to a story. But um, but you're sort of advocating this sort of storytelling approach. 
I think just in terms of making things hang together well, that's what it is. Right. Um, you know, it, it's about um, constructing a coherent structure and helping people to understand the, the content that you're putting forward for them as easily as possible. Right. And so, you know, that, that is going to be like telling a story. There's going to be a beginning, a middle and an end, you know, and, and you need to think about um, how you structure your content accordingly. Hmm, interesting. The um, he said, <laughs> sounding doubtful. <laughs> I just, I just find that. Um, I mean, I get your thing about the beginning, middle, and end. And that's you know, that makes a hell of a lot of sense. But one, one of the things that's going through in my head is that you said you did ghostwriting. So let me let's tackle that bit first mm. of all, because I know I'm most interested in book uh, book coaching because I think people would be mm. thinking about that. Um, but just to cover off a ghost, how on earth do you do ghostwriting for someone who's doing something that's maybe extremely technical, that, you know, that they, you want to write a story about tort law or something or um, Battenberg mm. cake making in the 1430s? You know, how, how on earth can you ghostwrite that story? <laughs> so, um, uh, I guess it, of, it... You do realise I'm only thinking of Battenberg cake now, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's not not really the cake that you can just knock up at home quite so easily, is it? Yeah, I don't know. I saw it on the Bake Off the other night. It's pretty. Yeah, pretty... it's not impossible, but it's not it's not a uh, I don't know Victoria sandwich, is it? No, true. Come on, then. So, so how does a <laughs> ghostwriter get to grips with? I mean, I can see how you do it with fiction or with a biography, but how does a ghostwriter work with something that's a technical subject? Mm. So it all depends on what the author's source materials are. So very often um, I actually work with podcasters. So they might have, um, uh, you know, a a series of podcast transcripts that they want me to create chapters from. Um, Or if people are training others in a a particular um, topic, then they might have course or training materials, you know, presentations, that sort of thing that I can use as the basis. But if someone is starting from, you know, with nothing, then um, it, it's interviews. It's, um, I mean, it would be 12 to 16 hours of interviews, not done in one go. Um, there'd probably be a chunk at the beginning and then there'd be interview and I'd write a chapter, interview, I'd write a chapter, interview, I'd write a chapter, and that sort of thing, really. But, you know, I think there are going to be subjects that only a specialist ghostwriter could tackle. My, my, you know, what I work on is um, one of my specialist areas is property um, for ghostwriting, um, but... I'm also I'm speaking to a lot of people now who have interesting life stories to tell. Um, and so that's going to be a new direction for me, which is a slightly more literary yes. nonfiction. Biographical. Mm. But yes, and biographical um, nonfiction. But um, yeah, it's just really interesting because I'm someone who gets bored easily. And here I am able to you know find uh, find out loads about lots of really interesting people and, and fascinating subjects well no doubt that you'll be writing a book about that in the future 
It is. It's on the list. <laughs> Maybe I need a book coat. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> um, so let's say that someone has a book in them and they just want to make a, you know, have a go at themselves. You know, so they've got an idea in their head. They sit down. They open their computer. They turn to page one of um, Microsoft Word or Pages or whatever it is they're using. They write their title down and then bosh off they go and the magic just flows from the ends of their fingertips is that it is that how it works no no unfortunately that is not how it works usually um so there's a there are a lot of steps that you need to take before you can start writing uh in my opinion so the first one is um an audit of your audience so first of all who is who is your ideal reader um do you have an audience of those people already and if you don't then you need to start building one quick smart um before you even start writing right i would say because it takes the average person three to six months to write a book yeah. and um so that gives you a decent amount of time to be starting to build a decent audience because even if you're going for a traditional uh, to, you know if, you, if you're looking to publish your book with a traditional publisher they will expect you to bring a significant audience to the table these days right. so that's job number one um job number two is to do your customer and competitor research and um to work out what your readers need you to tell them and how they want to be told that. So, you know, what, what format? Is this a, an ebook? Um, is it a printed book? Is it uh, an audio book, which is a, a, a big growth area for publishing now? Mm. Um, and get competitor research, have a look at other similar books or at least books in the same sector. What did people, what did readers like about those books? Um, and what didn't they like? And are there any opportunities for us there as an author? Mm. Um, so, yeah, there's plenty of things we need to do before we actually put pen to paper or uh, you know, finger to laptop, more likely. And, and that makes sense. And and I can see and I can see most people sitting and thinking, yeah, that's very logical. But there'll be some people who are saying, do you know what? I'm going to self-publish. I don't care if there's an audience. I have a message and I want to put it out there and my views on whatever it is. So it becomes a, um, I forget the word, um, there's, a, there's a phrase, isn't it, for a, a polemic. That's the word, isn't it? Um, so mm -hmm. I, I will put that out there, irrespective of the audience size or their needs or their wants, because sometimes the most groundbreaking work comes from, or the most individual voice comes from writing something where you've sort of, you've invented it from scratch without doing that sort of work. I mean, is there a space for that in the world? Sure. Sure, of course there is. Um, you know, I'm, there are lots of different approaches for creating a book, but the majority of the people who come to me are not in that position. And they're thinking, I really want to write a book, but I just don't know where to start. It all feels overwhelming. Yeah. Um, and that's making me procrastinate and not do it. So, um, so that's the place you know people are coming from when they when they approach me usually, and so I'm able to break things down into manageable chunks, give them a plan, 
and help them to structure their book. And once you've got your table of contents, um, which is I call your book skeleton, then it's a case of fleshing out that skeleton and adding words to the, you know, the, the chapters and you'll get it done. So yes, there is a place for that approach, but those aren't, those aren't my people. Very good. So um, that's fine. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense because people, people ask me that, isn't it? It's, it's, there's this thing about writing for an audience or writing for yourself and, and mm. both are acceptable, aren't they? It just depends what, what the, the, and there's a difference between writing and having a reader, isn't there? Someone who's prepared to pay for the work that mm. you put together. So if you want to create a commercial book, you've got to really do what you're talking about. And I often find that the polemical stance is great when you're actually writing an article, but it doesn't actually sustain itself for, you know, 60,000, 70,000 words. It can be quite a challenge, really. Yeah. Now, now <laughs> it, it strikes me that writing a book is a great test of resilience. So you've already, you know, created the first thing, which is procrastination. And um, if you think about resilience, mm. about building stamina and focus and such like, what advice do you have for people who do procrastinate, who, who do have a lack of focus? I mean, some people say that it's because they're not organized. Some people say they're not motivated enough. Mm. Where, where, what's your stance on that? So I think... Um the most important thing when it when it comes to writing a book is when you've done all those uh, preparatory um, tasks and you are ready to write is to schedule the time in schedule it in regularly um, and make it so that you can't you know book a call over the top of it or whatever it is uh, and even if it's just like you know an hour a week eventually you will get it done and if you can make it, you know, two hours a week or an hour every morning or or a day a week, then you will get there far more quickly. So it's just that it is about scheduling it in and scheduling that time in and trying to stick to it as much as possible. Mm. It's that thing about um, priorities, isn't it? If it's important, you prioritize mm. it above other things. Um, but I, yeah. I know in my own work, you know, becoming a doctor and, you know, masters, of, you know, academic achievements, you often find that people say, my house has never looked cleaner. My cupboards have never been more organized when I'm attempting to write a dissertation because <laughs> we spend a lot of time avoiding it because it, it's, it's, it's extremely daunting, isn't it? And you do, you can lose energy through the process. Now, I, I follow the work of Dan Pink a lot, and he says that you should do deep work in the morning administrative tasks in the afternoon and creative stuff in the evening and I quite like that as an approach because it sort of optimizes more this uh, sort of a brain energy pattern and I, I don't know if you've mm. when you've worked with people if you found that a useful I mean is that a sort of a useful pattern that people could follow so it's it's re that's really interesting because for me like creative thinking is almost entirely absent in the evening <laughs> well, if know, i'm but we tend to chat which is <laughs> that explains so much i'm i <laughs> am having but seriously, a if, if i am you know if i i would never start writing in the evening right Good. because my brain is tired just yeah i mean i have got two um fairly young children um and uh and i am also i don't mind don't mind telling your uh, listeners this um i'm a you know lady of middle years and i have found that that is affecting my energy levels and also um 
you know, my kind of brain fogginess in the evening is is a bit of an issue. So I'm much better tackling things in the morning. It is interesting because we're actually in our own practice doing some particular work around that particular subject at the moment, actually helping women uh, around that particular problem. And, and that's because actually one of our own therapists has gone through it recently and has been so affected. She's, uh, she's been thinking about how, how to help people. And I definitely think there's a book in that area. But uh, definitely. Uh, Enough of my my thousands of ideas. Let's try customer partners. So you're saying be organized, do the research, find your customers, be able to yeah. um, figure out what those customers want, look at the competition. Mm. And then you talked about having this table of content. So you build your, your structure and your skeleton. And then basically yeah. then starting to write. Or is there so in other words, once you've got this um, skeleton organized, you said flesh it out. So yeah. how, do you, how do we in effect flesh out the skeleton? So that's so. If you've created your table of contents, um, your book skeleton, then you know we've because we'd have already worked on um, what readers will know when they pick your book up, and what you want them to know by the time they they put your book down, and we'd have worked plotted out a journey effectively for your reader, um, and then we've created the table of contents from that. And because with business and nonfiction, we usually know what we're talking about, or you know, in this case, writing about, it shouldn't be that hard. It's not like we're having to juggle, um, I don't know, you know, character development and um, mm. uh, you know, a complicated plot. Mm. We should be able to just then, you know, get, start writing, follow the structure we've created. And you know what you're writing about, so it will just flow. It should. That's that. That's that dreaded word. Should. Isn't should. It? But, but that's happens? what I'm there for. Right. Is you know when say, people. Yeah. yeah. What happens to people with writer's block? Because we hear about that, and I think that's a test of resilience, where you keep looking at things, and you just can't make it work. What? What? what so how? How do you get around those sorts of things? So, you know, there have been times when I've been ghostwriting um, or even just like writing um, features in my in my PR life where I just haven't been able to find an angle for something to redo my head in. And the solution is to take a break. Right. Um, and there is a particular type of... Um, brain state and so for for me um as the mum of two young children going for a run um helps me to to get into that state or even sometimes going for a shower um where you know it's i'm 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 doing something and um it's kind of like mindfulness really isn't it but very often I find myself coming up with solutions to problems where if I'm running or if I am in the shower or during the meditation section of my half boxing, half yoga class that I usually go to um, when I'm not supposed to be thinking about work at all. Hmm. But I (laughs) I often come up with solutions to work problems in that time. The relaxation uh, and meditation section at the end. So that's the um, you know try that because that's that can be a quick win. You know, nip out for a run for half an hour or whatever. Um, if you still 
can't get past it, then um, sleep on it. Sleep on it for a night, a couple of nights, and you might find it comes to you. And then so other people have taught, uh, I've, I've, I know, um, recommend doing something else that's creative, but in a different way. So, you know, play some music or, um, I don't know, paint a picture and see if, if, if uh, try, you know, accessing your creative mind, but in a completely different way, mm. somehow stimulates um, a solution. Yes, and I think that's, I mean, psychologically, all that works. Um, but the thing to avoid is just banging your head against a wall and trying to push through, because actually that doesn't work so much. You really have to, you have to do this sort of peaks and troughs, don't you, to be able to um, re-energise and renew. I think that's that's so important, isn't it? I, that's that's the excuse I'm going to give you next time I talk to you on my own project. So there you go. I've just been pausing. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of running. <laughs> okay so that makes a lot of sense so so if you want to sit down and you uh, want to write a book do some research figure out what you're doing understand what the market's saying that's all good stuff get yourself a table of contents break it down and then begin to hang hang subject on those sorts of different bits of the framework that all makes a lot of sense you're taking people on a journey you're leaving with something they didn't have before or reinforcing something or whatever it might be. And then and then a whole different section is, of course, then about how you publish a book and how you put market it and such like, which we don't really need to go into today. So where does a book coach particularly add value? Um, I think the thing that people say they appreciate the most is the support and accountability um the knowing that you know we're going to be talking in two weeks time and if you haven't completed your agreed tasks you're going to need to um (laughs) to tell me that during our call um and I think also just having someone who you can drop and you know, fire off an email to about something that's bothering you or something you need um, information about, and I can point you in the right direction. So it, I think it really does help people who otherwise would not be able to get their book written. It really does help them to to, to do it and to do it well, to, to make it the best book it can be. And I would actually so, add on to yeah. that. It's about helping people with the things they didn't know they didn't know. I think that's part of the problem because I think it's about shortcutting, isn't it? Mm. You know, try this, this sort of works. Mm. And I think that's something we undervalue because it's a long enough process without reinventing the wheel. And if you've got someone to help you skip 20 steps, then I think that's important, isn't it? Absolutely. So, you know, I mostly work with entrepreneurs and I think sometimes we can be really bad as entrepreneurs at undervaluing our own time. Yeah. So yes, you you know you would you would pay me to to be your book coach, but think of all the time your time um, that you'll save. Absolutely, hmm. very good. So people would like. I mean, there are lots of book coaches out there. I mean, I'm talking to you because I can actually personally vouch for you, and I always um, whenever I'm talking about a specific thing, like to you know talk to the people who I actually physically know and can attest to their excellence and nagging capability. Sorry, accountability capability. <laughs> Um, <laughs> how would people get hold of you, Helen? How how they find you? 
So I'm very active on LinkedIn. Um, so if people want to connect with me, it's my personal profile on LinkedIn, Helen Pollock. Um, or on my website, which is www.thecontentdoc.com. And I'm going to be running my next free five-day Get Unstuck With Your Book Challenge um, in three or four weeks' time. So I'll give you a link to that, Russell, that you can share with your listeners. Um, so they can sign up for that if they you know, want to really kick things off and get this book started if they've been thinking about writing one for ages um and i'll also give you a link to my uh free ebook i just don't know where to start which is aimed at first time business or non-fiction authors who yeah as the, as the title says just don't know where to start brilliant and i guess not just knowing where to start but sometimes that you've you've half written something as well and you're thinking Shall I just throw this all away and start again? Because that's a thing. That's another thing that people get stuck with, isn't it? It is. And so um, the person who we both know, um, she came to me and she'd already started writing. Um, and I, I said to her at the time, yeah, I kind of designed this program for people who, who haven't started writing yet, and I'm not sure how we would adapt it for you. But she was happy to go ahead anyway. And actually, she said to me at the end, you know, you absolutely can say to people that this works for people who have already started writing too. Um, so that was really good to know. Yeah. Thank you, Helen. And um, for those of you who are wondering why we're sort of scooting through the um, material today, actually, we've had all sorts of connection issues. And Helen and I have, this must be our 87th attempt to run this podcast. So um, um, <laughs> Tempting fate at the moment by hoping we can get to the end without the technology blowing up yet, yet another time. So it's Helen at thecontentdoc.com. It's at Helen Pollock on LinkedIn. And you've got some goodies and some downloads. And you've been a brilliant guest today. Thank you so much, Helen. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you, Russ. I really appreciate it. And it's been great to chat with you. No problems. You take care. Thanks for listening today. You can go to our site qedod.com forward slash podcasts and subscribe to hear other titles in our series. Or you can contact us at info at qedod.com to hear and find out more about tough love, leadership, accountability, resilience and burnout. You can go to our site qedod.com forward slash burnout 2019 to hear and get access to a load of resources to help you manage and fight burnout. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash free ebook to hear more about the fundamentals of resilience. Until the next episode, keep on thriving.